this is a role reversal, and now I'm interviewing you. So this should be interesting. Um, I got a chance to listen to your story, um, and it was wonderful. And I want to thank you for sharing it because, like, I know you pretty well, and a lot of that was stuff I didn't know. And I think, I mean, I can't, like, talk for you, but I can see where your drive to do this type of project comes from now. And, um, and it's wonderful. It was wonderful that you were able to be brave and open and honest and uh, share with other people a lot of stuff that I don't think um, a lot of people are comfortable sharing or brave enough to do or in the place where they're able to. So uh, thank you for that. Um, so I have some questions for you based on somewhat your story, somewhat knowing you and just um, stuff like that. Okay. One so, second. One second. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So, um, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna jump around these questions because I wrote them. <laughs> Do whatever you want. I'm just nervous. Okay. Don't be. It's gonna be dope. Uh, so, I know. I noticed one of like the like the themes in both my story and your story, and like sort of what um, your project is about is rock bottom experiences. Yeah. Um, so I was just wondering, from your perspective, like, do you think change takes place? Do you think you need to hit, like, one of those moments in order to, to change or to, like, grow? Um, I know it was important parts of both of our stories. And, you know, we're here sort of coming out through the other side and wanting to talk about it and share. So um, do you think that's, like, important for people? to like have to reach that point or do you think there's other ways like that you can reach sort of like self-actualization and like wanting to grow and be a better person and all those types of things without that and kind of so why and how <laughs> so i definitely don't think rock bottom situations need to happen in order for there to be room for growth or realization of what's going on in our lives um i think but I feel like in order for it to happen without having rock bottom scenarios take place, there has to be this willingness and openness to really learn and just reflect, like have inner reflection or awareness of, of things um, that are going on in our lives. And I think when we choose to be stubborn or resistant to the fact that we're ever changing and ever growing, then that's when rock bottom situations happen. I mean, you know, some things are totally out of our control. Like, um, I think some circumstances we face were placed in rock bottom situations, but it, we're, we're not the cause of, of why it took place. You know, it could be family or environmental moments. Um, but overall they don't need to happen, but I feel like when they do, it's like, how do I, when they do happen, it's kind of an, it brings an awareness of, of why it's so important to always be open to um, feedback or just the world and, and exposing yourself to different cultures and conversations. And because the more you learn, then the more that you can apply to your life or, or maybe even realize that, oh, maybe I'm not responding or doing the right thing. Maybe I should... Uh, take a different route or make a change. Yeah. I think that, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I think <clears throat> I thought about it before in terms of like sharing my story. 
that it's it's a weird it's a weird venture and it's a weird like sort of way to like go about your life because like once you've hit a rock bottom and you've come out and then you want to help people afterwards by sharing your story it's it's hard to measure it you know what i mean because um if like like for instance like if we do a good job like if you're like are able to like tell your story and reach people you probably won't see the results because it's just preventative it's like yeah if you're like say like this podcast reads a hundred people and then two of those people like were touched or helped and then nothing bad happens to them because of that you know what i mean you'll never know yeah but it's like it's that so it's an interesting type of like i've always found that like especially when i go talk to groups do you know what i mean being like i'll never know how much i'm helping yeah. and so like and even like in a in a way that makes I think like your process and like this whole thing even more special because it's it's the kind of thing where you're like you're not doing it for the gratification of like you know I know I saved a life because you might never know you don't know if you like you know what somebody was going to get to that point but um, you're doing it for the sake of doing it and I think that's really honorable and awesome yeah I was just gonna say really quick too like you you just reminded me that. Like my father always told me, you know, there's two, there's two different ways to learn things, right? You can either learn from circumstances that take place in your life, or you can learn from the experiences of other people. And I think that's, that's a, a great way too to explain the whole rock bottom event. Sometimes the experiences that we have are our rock bottoms. And sometimes the experiences that we have are other people's rock bottoms that they're sharing with us, but they're still both amazing opportunities to learn but i mean in the perfect world what's ideal is learning from other people so we learn not to make the same mistakes and so then we can uh potentially achieve more or reach new heights or new levels without so much obstacle and struggle Mm -hmm. but um but there's also something special about having those kinds of things happen in our lives and getting through them and it like for me, at least personally, I appreciate everything so much more because I saw how it was before and I see how it is now and, and just how much um, love and determination through the thick and thin really is transformational. So although I don't think you have to go through a rock bottom event to learn i'm grateful that i did because i'm stubborn like i i've always like we talked about this i go I way about my story in a way <laughs> i know. go head first into things i've always been like that like i and it's interesting i'm actually going to talk about that in may in a group and mm-hmm. um i go head first into things and ask questions later and i've always been like do it now. I'll figure out the stuff afterwards. And so my style of learning personally was I needed to hit rock bottom to shake me and realize that I needed to do something to make a change, but everyone's different. And so everyone's experiences are going to be different, but yeah, definitely. It's like how I, we talked about with like sort of like relative pain. It's just like whatever got you to your place of change was like, you know, probably felt the same level of like internal pain that I felt, you know? And, um, and that's the thing I think part of like, and like with us sharing and like part of the reason I share my story is to like try to connect with people. And cause like in terms of both of our like 
tales, you know, a lot of the, what goes into it is, is hiding. You know what I mean? Is like trying to protect yourself and like, just like keep those tough things that are hard to talk about inside. And, um, like in terms of like sharing stories, like the way you are, I think it's important because then somebody can maybe not hit the end of that story, but they can hear like the first 70% and be like, wow, I'm that, you know, I'm that until like before, right before you were driving back and forth on the highway. You know what I mean? Like I've, I've had those thoughts and maybe I should like talk to this person who's sharing or find other people in the world who experience them. And, and sort of in a, as an example of people who came out on the other side to be like, Oh, I'm like, they're telling my story, like in terms of feelings up to a certain place, because I felt that isolation and that self doubt and not belonging or whatever it was. And then, but there's an example right in front of me of somebody who's happy and like got through it. And so that's, it's awesome. Your beard is amazing, by the way. Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So random, but it's all right. It's cool. (laughs) So back on track okay i'm ready sorry yeah, no it's cool no i like i'm because i'm gonna keep that you're gonna keep track <laughs> um so in terms of like i'm gonna just go in order i can remember sort of like my like rap bottoms and stuff like that so like when you were in your low moments what do you think it was that eventually got you to be to seek help or to, or another way or like what sparked Besides just like getting to that point, like in those moments, what do you think it was that brought you to a place where it wasn't just going to keep being cyclical and like just happening again? What made you like sort of step outside of yourself and be like, oh, I've got to change somehow? Honestly, I was just sick of feeling the way I was feeling. Like I just, and, um, and I was tired of, just being miserable and unhappy and seeing other people who genuinely seemed happy and wanting that. And, um, you know, I, I kept hearing people always say it's going to be okay. And, you know, there's so many amazing things for you. Just all, you know, like, not that it's, not that it's garbage, but at, at, at in the moment, it just sounds like they're just saying all these things and yeah, it's just like, okay, you keep saying that, but I'm not seeing anything. And, um, and I just, I just got to a point where I was, I was just genuinely sick and tired of feeling how I was feeling to the point that I was just willing to do anything. Like I was, I was just so desperate that I just wanted to do anything to just stop feeling that way. And, um, and I had already made decisions of what I wasn't going to do anymore. So um, I was, I just opened myself up to that and that that was in the first situation for me and and that's when my friend came along and had invited me to go to church and talked about God and and so that was when like I accepted God and and then that was transformational and in my second my second rock bottom event um I I had a similar feeling like I was tired of feeling that way but at that point there was already a foundation that I had of um of how life is meant to be lived. Right. So I I had an awareness of that and I, I, I I got to a point where I'm like, okay, like I can't, like if I keep responding or reacting the same way, nothing is going to change. And in order for me to be happy, I have to figure out what that looks like. And so, yeah, I just, so yeah, Yeah. 
And I just, I was like, all right, well, let's do this, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of the type of thing that it's like, you don't know what you don't know. And then sometimes in those like moments, you like are willing to explore that. You know what I'm saying? And like, I don't know. That's, that's awesome. Like, how was it for you? Was it similar or different? Well, yeah, it was, it was similar. It was cause I basically, um, I sort of just like kind of like logically thought it out and like I would happen to because of jail and all that stuff. Like I was in an environment where it was conducive for change. So it was like, it's like one of those things is like, like AA exists in the real world. You know what I mean? But when you're in jail, it's like, you don't have anything to do and your, your options are limited. And that's like one of those things that's always around. Like you're like, you'll hear about, like they'll announce it. You know what I mean? Like Thursday's the AA meeting. Like if you want to go down to the AA meeting, you know, line up at the door or whatever. So I think like a part of it was kind of sort of circumstantial where like I was at the right time inside and then the opportunities were around me and I was able to just say yes at the right times to the right thing. Yeah. And like, that's like, in terms of like higher power and God and stuff, that's like how I see that in my life. Like, yeah. is that there were just like these sort of like perfect moments when I had the option, you know what I mean? And then I made the right choice, like in times, uh, like at other times when I don't think I would have, and I don't even know why, you know, like I, I do because I remember sitting in jail and being like, and I'm sure like, I think people get to that point and like where they have to find another way because they realize it has been working where you can like, and that's what I remember thinking was like sitting there and just being like, you know, I've tried my whole life to be a good person. I, I never want, like, I can remember not drinking for 19 years because mm -hmm. I knew my parents were like, I had all the facts, yeah. you know what I mean? But then I, when I started drinking, like it was out of my control. I have alcoholism. It was like a disease, yeah. like with me, Facing that type of life, having good examples, and all of those things, like, I still, life still happened, and, like, I found my place in, in a, I found myself in a place that I never thought I would be, yeah. and I, met, like, it wasn't even, like, part of, like, it wasn't even an option in my head that I would end up in jail, you know what I mean? So, it was like, oh, I did everything that I thought was right, and here I am. So there's got to be another way because if I just keep doing this, like I'm going to get the same thing. And like how you said, it's just like, that's like a common, the Einstein's de definition of insanity. Like where if, if you keep trying the same things, expecting different results, that's insane. You know? Mm -hmm. So I think most of us get to that point, like to enact change and definitely it's availability. And I think that's why, like, like I said, like there was just those right times where I was able to say yes. And that's part of the why, and I'm sure like why you're driven to do this because, you know, whether it be like how, when you, when you were telling your story, um, when you were saying like the, the EMTs asked you questions and like, you just had to answer the first couple, right. Mm -hmm. And then the questions were over and they didn't go any further in depth. It's like being that right type of person in the right environment. It's more so just being open to like yeah. that in the world for me, like laying out, like, this is who I am. and you know, feel comfortable. Like if you want to change, I'm here for that to help oh. in the ways I know. So it's just like, you know what I mean? Definitely. And like, now that you mentioned that, right, you were mentioning, you don't know what you don't know. And, and I think 
for me too, when I was feeling how I was feeling and I just didn't want to feel that way anymore, I didn't know what I had to do to no longer feel that way, right? Like I had all these people who kept and continued to encourage me and say, it's going to get better, but no one could give me a concrete path on what I personally needed to do to make it better. And um, it was like you mentioned, like the right time kind of moment. I, I had been flipping on the channel and I saw this speaker called Joyce Meyer and she's a very, um, like she speaks about things that, that in a very factual base, like hard truths, so to speak. Yeah. And I just remember listening to her and hearing her say like, your life doesn't have to be this way. And this is what you can do to change it. And it was something super concrete. Like you need to do, you need to put in the effort. You need to start figuring out what you need to change within yourself. And so having someone placed in my life at the right time, providing me um, kind of like a light was really what helped me. And um, because I just, I didn't know, like I didn't know at all what to do. And, and I mean, maybe the EMTs didn't know what to do either in those situations, but, and that's why I think it's so important and why I like, you know, we already talked about my passion for this project is because I've started to realize that a lot of people might be in the situations because they just don't know. Yeah, because for sure. People around them just don't know. And so how do we stop that? Well, by having conversations, by putting it out there that it's not just you and these are some things that you can do. And um, yeah. But. Yeah. I think connections are important in that way. Like you said, I think that's why anytime like any pathway towards change that's like usually talked about whether it be church religion therapy uh recovery rooms and when it comes to addiction aana um that's like the commonality between all of them is that there it's never just like you know and those are like pretty like successful ways to go about change and improving yourself like from what i've seen and like kind of but um none of them are isolated you know what I mean? It all in involves somebody else and connecting. Like, and that's one of those things is even like having been in recovery is like, I've, I know that when I, if I withhold from that part of things, then um, it doesn't really work as well. Like if I'm just like, Oh, I got this. Like I can do this on my own. Like it's just, it doesn't work because then it's, it's easy for me to fall into the trap of being like, Oh, I'm, like, I know I'm special and unique, but like, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But nobody understands. You know what I mean? Is that's the, that's the problem. That's the, like the, is that like, I'm alone in this. This is like something nobody has gone through or is like, nobody's going to get it. And then like, when you go to whatever it is, like when you like find people that do, or like you're introduced to like groups of people that do, it's, it's really special because then you feel like you belong again. Especially when like a lot of those, like for me, a lot of my feelings stemmed from that feeling of not belonging and wanting to. Like that's part of the reason I drank in the first place was because for some reason, whatever it is inside me, I felt a little different or a little more like insecure or whatever it is. Like I didn't fit in, whatever, like these people aren't going to like me or whatever it is. And so I drank. And then once like coming out of like out of that phase and getting into recovery and just being like, oh no, like this is, I belong in this place. Like, and I, and it's like weird because it's for the exact opposite reason. You know, it's like, I used to drink to fit in and now I'm not drinking to fit in. You know what I mean? Like it's weird. So yeah, 
So um, there's a specific question because you keep like, there's one that I've like, you keep kind of brushing over and I'm like, I'm going to ask that. <laughs> um, so, okay. Yeah. So like a lot of my story and, and like, I noticed like a lot of your story was like, um, it's based on, and it, like, it sort of started around adolescence. Yeah. Um, where like every time I start my story, I like, I start around that time or like, or even younger because I can now in hindsight, look back and see those patterns developing and building. Mm -hmm. So I was just interested if you thought, and that's another thing in terms of sharing my story that like, so like I've thought about that before is like that, like a lot of these types of things, like, like it's not a coincidence. We're both like 30, you know? And like, aware you know like that's part of just life that's part of growing up and all the stuff i wish i like i know now i wish i knew when i was 15 but even like how i said in like in my story like i've gone into high schools to talk about drunk driving and stuff like that but i don't know i always assume most of them are just not listening because i can remember like like i said i had a lot of information so i i had the information um, and I would, that's just, I guess what I was going to ask is like the people that need, like who would benefit the most off of this understanding are like high school, college age kids. Mm -hmm. And so how do we bridge that gap in, in a way, you know what I mean? Like, how do you reach them beyond just being like, Hey, like this is what happened. Or if and you might not have an answer, cause I, I haven't, and I've struggled with that being like, I'm. I can see through like their perspective how it would be so easy yeah. to write it off. Like it's like, oh, well, that's a one in a million story. You know what I mean? And that kind of thing. Or like, I'm not, it's easy to see the things you don't identify with, especially yeah. as a kid where you're just like, oh, like there might be some similarities, but this person's this, 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 and this, and I'm none of that. Yeah. And I, this is my life and I'm the lead character in the movie and nothing bad's going to happen type thing, yeah. you know? Um, so I don't know. I don't know if there's a way to like, well, I think that for me, what comes to mind is, is, um, people, okay. People can make a connection to stories in many different ways, whether it's immediate connection or later on down the road, you think, Oh, I remember like when that person was talking about this, that, and the other. And so whether a person of whatever age chooses to take that information or not is always up to them, right? All we can do is provide the information. Yeah. But for me, I think what's important is letting the people know that if you take this information or not, you know, whatever path you take, you're still amazing. I still love you. I'm still here for you. And, and, and because, because I think what happens is like, especially teens and, and young adults, there, there's this whole idea of they're in this phase where they want to figure out life on their own, right? And then yeah. they start making decisions that might not be the best. And they're, they become aware of their mistakes. But then maybe there's this fear of admitting their mistakes because they might be criticized or... And then so that creates even more isolation, right? And so then yeah. they, they continue making their mistakes and then they continue digging this hole of regret or embarrassment or, you know, just shame and they continue not sharing it. And so, it, and, and it creates more isolation. And so I think like to reach kids, just letting them know that 
whatever they do, right? You have information. You're always there to provide it. If they want to listen now, great. But if they want to listen three months down the road that you're still available and you're still going to love them and you're still going to be there and you're not going to judge them. And, um, and it, and it doesn't matter. Like it, it doesn't speak differently on them as a person. It doesn't speak differently on, on, um, their character or their capacity or capability of what they're going to fulfill in life. But I, I think that's where the biggest disconnect is because mm-hmm. I've had instances where I've been told multiple times, don't do that. It's not wise. And I, you know, being the stubborn woman that I am, I'm like, I'm going to do it anyway. I'll find out my own way. And then I find out and I have two groups of friends, right? The ones who are, I told you so, or the ones that are like, Hey dude, it's okay. Like it's fine. And so having that, those kinds of, or creating that kind of environment, I think just creates a more genuine openness to receiving that information and connecting with it more and then being able to pass that on to your friends or family members or loved ones. Yeah. That's how I think, I think that's one of the ways that the bridge can be gapped. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cool. (laughs) I was thinking, I was thinking too, like kind of like as you're talking, like maybe, and like, I've thought about this too, is like maybe even like, less preventative like preventive would be wonderful if like i could stop somebody from going out and drinking and driving but also like no matter what it is that's like a specific thing like that my story proves like in terms of like oh don't do this one thing i did but it's all like also both of us have like come out on the other side and like to show that i think is important too that like you like i'm sort of here like or whatever like to be an example like don't do what i did but if you end up like finding yourself in that situation, like you can also get through it. Like there's like, once you find yourself in that place of like, no, like you don't think ever, anything's ever going to be all right. Or you like hit a rock bottom and like, it can be like, you can change and you can grow and all those things. You can be happy again, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of goes into something else I was going to ask you was um, you talked a lot about um when you were like in your low times and your, and your like low moments that you were still able to sort of put on a facade. Um, and I just want to know. So in terms of that, cause like I'm like that too, is I tend to be like, I try to show a good, like up front and, um, and I find it like, sometimes I struggle with the fact that like I do that and it's, it throws other people off. You know what I mean? And so, like, I remember, like, and also, too, is, like, if I'm not in a good mood that, like, it might not necessarily be the end of the world. And, like, you know what I mean? T- those types of things. So, in terms of, like, other people around you, what, if you could, like, sort of just, like, sort of tell the difference between the two in terms of, like, oh, like, fake happy yeah, and, yeah. like, real happy and, like, real peace and serenity. And also, like, some advice for people maybe who are worried about their friends. Do you know what I mean? Or like, aren't, maybe they're not worried because there's that common thing that goes around um, with like, sort of like when Anthony Bourdain Bourdain happened or like Chester Bennington passed away where like, there's like, they'll show pictures and be like, this is what depression is sometimes. Like this is like, or Robin Williams was a great example where it's just like, like you wouldn't know. So like, because they got really good at putting on a mask. So, um, in terms of other people, like what, having gone through that, like, what can they do? What can friends do? 
or what, what would being a good friend to a person who's gone through such things or might be struggling look like? Okay. Like if you could have like put yourself back into those times and being like, like this was the like right thing for somebody to say to me, or like, this was one of those moments where like, I knew like this person was like there and it wasn't pushing me away and it wasn't, you know what I mean? They were able to see through it or whatever it is. I think it honestly really depends on the person and their personality because people are just so different and have such a different need. Excuse me. I know for me personally, I needed two things. I needed to know that someone wasn't going to force the issue on me. Like, how do I explain it? Like I, like I needed to know that someone was there just, just being there but not for the purpose of making me feel better because at the time I had a very, um, I was very secretive about everything and Mm -hmm. I had a very hard time talking about my emotions in the first place. So I always pushed away from the conversations of what's wrong, what's going on, how are you feeling? Like what, like I was the type that when I'm ready to talk about it, I'll talk to you about it, but don't ask me about it. Like, let's just have a yeah. right like <laughs> like like when someone passed away right in my family i always cringed at like yes of course you know you, you give your condolences right because because it's it sucks that someone you love left but don't keep creating it into a pity party like just treat me like a normal person yeah so, so i needed that like people just to treat me normally because i felt my issue was as soon as someone knew that I was going through a hard time, I didn't like that they treated me different. I didn't like that they felt sorry for me, that, that it was all like, oh, I can't, like, I can't deal with it. It's, you know, and it's like, dude, I'm a human being. Like, just say hi. Like, why do you have to be weird about it, right? So, and, and that would create me to be even more shut in and create even a bigger facade because I didn't want to deal with the awkward responses that people would have when all they needed to do is be like, like, just act like, you know, um, you're a person like a normal person. You're you, you know? And, and the second thing is I also needed people to just not force themselves on me in, in the respect of like forcing their friendship, but just that consistency. Like even when I didn't want someone to be there or to just leave me alone for them to just be like, Hey, I know you're having a really hard day. You're not responding. That's cool. But I'm here. Even if I respond, you know, and like just calling. And even if I wouldn't say anything like, Hey, um, just saying hi, because I think sometimes, um, when we want to be there for someone, we take it personal when they're going through a hard time and they're not responding. Yeah. We can't take it personally. And, and I think just, just that consistency of just showing them that it doesn't matter how big of a dick they're going to be or an asshole, right? Because we, we can be like that when people are hurt. That for doesn't sure. matter. Like you're still a phone call away. You're still a text away. And so, and so that's what I've implemented into my friendships. Like, I'm always super transparent. Um, And even if the moment I have them in my mind, like even if I haven't spoken to them in a while, just be like, hey, like what's up? Or if I know what's going on, like let's say I know that they're going through a hard time, be like, hey, like I'm just checking in. How's the week been? And then, you know, if they want to talk about it, cool. If they don't, just just having that constant um, presence just so they know that at at any point, if 
they need a shoulder to cry on or, you know, shit hits the fan or whatever that I'm there. Cause I didn't, the, the, I mean, I was young, right? So like yeah. it's 13, 14 kids don't really know how to yeah, necessarily, true, have, yeah, you know, they're just like, you're weird. But, um, I think, at, you know, young adults, young teens, adults, like early twenties and stuff. I think just, um, just, just loving someone regardless and not expecting anything in return and not taking it personally. And just knowing that you don't always need to talk about the problem and you can do a huge difference. Not ta- like, let's just watch movies or play video games or, you know, but it doesn't always constantly need to be, Oh, are you feeling suicidal today? Like, Oh, yeah. are you, di-? you know, like, <laughs> yeah. that's just me personally. I don't know for you. Um, but no, I agree. I, I totally agree. I think that's what it like. It's like, you described it perfectly. It's like sort of just being, it's creating comfort. You know what I mean? It's like, sort of like if you can just be that person and like sometimes when you're in the throngs of like depression and stuff like that, like you want to be alone. Like, and like, and that's like, that's the thing is like in terms of like other people, it's like you're, you've got a friend going through that. Like, I think it's like, it's like you kind of said it perfectly. It's just like being available and providing comfort, you know, which doesn't mean like, I th- I think people get it in their heads too. I think there's a certain like amount of people that are like once they it's like two ends of the spectrum where it's like like someone finds out like a friend finds out and then they just they want to not ever talk about it. They think like avoiding is the best way yeah. and like you can it's tangible though. You're like oh I I can tell you're trying to make me feel better yeah. by like distraction. And then there's the other side where like people want to take it head on and like fix it themselves you know what i mean they're like oh let's talk you know like whatever it is and like when you're going through it like even like after the fact like what i think it's important for both sides to kind of realize that it's like it has nothing to do with the other person Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it's all an inside job like it's all stuff that's going on inside of myself so it's like either way you can't help me (laughs) like you can but like Yeah, yeah I need to figure out how to do that. So I've got to be the one to initiate the conversation about it. I've got to be the one to like sort of decide where that conversation goes. If it's about heavy, like internal things, if like I'm talking about my mental health or my depression or my PTSD or whatever, it's like, that's the type of thing. And I feel like that for other people too. And just other than that, it's like, I'm like sort of like kind of talking about people that know me, you know what I mean? Like in this kind of like question or like theoretical situation, it's like, it's people like whether it be family or close friends that are considered family. So it's like, there's at least something like meaning like there's gotta be a point where like they know it's wrong. Like I'm close enough for them to be like, Oh, he's feeling depressed. You know what I mean? Where whether they can either sense that from me through our closeness or I feel close enough to them to tell them. And then, so like if you're close enough to me like and and I've like sort of talked about this like with someone recently like that means that like you know me like you know me at my best or like when I'm okay and treating me not like that doesn't make me become that again so it's just like if you and I are hanging out and like it's Thursday and like we usually go to the movies you know what I mean like 
but you know I'm going through a depressive like episode, then just like treat me as if I'm normal. You know what I mean? Just be like, just treat me like myself. And then I'll be able to like figure out how to get myself back there. And if I need help and like, you know what I mean? Like being there, making it a comfortable environment and like being around and like at least letting the person know, Hey, I'm here. If you need me, like if you want to talk about some stuff, but then just being like, Oh, I'm going to treat you with the same amount of love and respect. And in the same manner that I would, if we were hanging out any other time, because like, that's the connection I'm looking for. You know what I mean? Like that might be the thing I'm missing. It isn't like, I'm not missing a therapist that you're stepping in to take over. You know what I mean? I'm not missing. If I wanted to just be distracted, I could just sit in my room and watch movies. You know what I mean? And that type of thing. Like if, if I'm going through an episode and you're there, like, I just want to be normal. You and me, even if I can't, and if I know I can't be to a point where it'll affect that dynamic, I might just not be around, you know what I mean? But like you said, if that's all the case, then just keep treating me like a normal person, like, like we normally would. Like that means if you're going to hit me up tomorrow, hit me up tomorrow. Like if you normally wouldn't, you know, maybe like, maybe not, maybe if I'm like feeling extra bad or you can sense that, say that, but like, it's really on the person because like, it's always like, it's your thing to deal with. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, it's my struggle. So it's just like, you can help me like when I need it or if I ask for it or stuff like that. But like, I know it's something I got to fix. Yeah. So even like seeing that is like, so that's kind of like where I fall, but I totally agree with everything you said. Like, it's just being there, you know, just being there and being, you know, allowing for a comfortable space. Definitely. Cause I think like, I think even the moments where I didn't realize that I needed help, right. Or wanted people around just that consistency, like, like, so like if, if you were having a down day, right. And, and I knew that you wanted to be left alone. Like there are times I personally feel where it's good to be persistent and just be like, Hey, well I'm coming over. And you know, if you tell me to leave, whatever, that's fine. Or, Hey, I'm ordering you Chinese food to make sure you eat or like, like stepping out of being afraid to step on these eggshells because sometimes I do think that you can get in such a funk that and 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 in these feelings of 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 feeling depressed that you you just continue to shut people out and um and then so you know I've had friends who are just like well I'm gonna be over in five minutes tough luck like and yeah. like in the moment I didn't want them to be there, but I'd invite them in. And then I was just so grateful that they didn't listen to me in the first place. But yeah, you know, it's, it really all depends on the person, but and that's I, like, even, but that like fits in sort of in a way, like those were the friends that were treating you like how they would have normally, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. Oh, I haven't, that's so true. You know, like, I haven't, I haven't <laughs> seen you in a while. Like that's weird. Like we should be seeing each other because that's our normal relationship. So I'm coming over. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. That's so true. That's so yeah. True. Um. So, what else do I got? <laughs> so, um, I can you know like and despite all of us just talking about this like mask and all that kind of stuff, um, you said in your story and like I've like through talking through this whole process and knowing you pretty well, um can tell you're like far beyond it you know what i mean like you've been like doing well um what do you ever have a fear that like you'll dip back like into those old like ways of thinking or patterns or basically like do you have like 
I'm used to saying relapse, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. my story is like about substances. Um, but do you ever have that feeling of like basically emotionally relapsing and like falling back to where you were? And if so, do you have like any, any sort of plan? Like, do you have like a, like a safety net set up in place or like, what do you think would happen or what you would do like now that you've gotten beyond, you know what yeah. I mean? And do you think it would be harder or, and e- or easier finding your path again? That's a very like rhetorical, like that's a very theoretical question. But yeah. So um, I, I don't have a fear. I don't have a fear of relapsing, but I have emotionally relapsed. And, um, and, and I've gone through spurts, right? I've, I've never gotten as low as before, but um, I have had these waves of, of moments where I do really, really good. And then things kind of start taking a step back and, um, and I start getting in a funk again. And like, I mean, literally, I think it was, um, okay. So, so before when I would have my funks, right. And I was feeling depressed, I would stay in bed all day. I literally would stay in bed all day and not do anything. And so, um, recently, so, okay. So then, then I would give myself a really hard time for staying in bed all day. And, um, and then I'd beat myself up for it. And then that would get me into a bigger funk. And then I'd be disappointed in myself because I was working so hard to just be so positive and more optimistic in life. And so recently it was actually interesting because just this last Saturday, I had one of those days, I, I stayed in bed all day, but my way of thinking about it was totally different because for me, instead of seeing it as like, I'm in a funk, like, and I could be doing all these things and I'm, you know, like just, just these abrasive words attacking myself. I took it as right now, mentally, I just need to reset. So I'm just going to watch some movies and I still stayed in bed all day. I didn't do, I didn't even shower. Like I, I literally from morning until nighttime was in bed. I just watched movies and, and so it was a different feeling because I didn't feel like I was in a funk at all. Although it was just one of those days where I knew I just needed to reset mentally and just not do anything. So there was just a shift in how I approached and perceived the things that I do. So, um, so, and, 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 and I have also this awareness in, um, in myself where now I know that I just function so much smoother and better if I have a, uh, a schedule and, and I function a lot better if I have a, uh, like not only a schedule, but go to the gym and work out and hold on. I think I lost you. So let me get you back. He's gone. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was brutal. So yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> I, I don't even remember what I asked. Um, so we had little difficulties and we're back. <laughs> what I was, <laughs> I was going to say one of the questions I had was cause it's kind of cool because like both of like, your episode one and two is just us. So like, this is the whole project right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I was going to say is like, there's a lot of like similarities in our stories and stuff. Um, one of them happens to be that we, um, 
both grew up in Springfield, you know, and um, my family was lower, like uh, lower middle class, you know, both my parents, public school teachers were broke all the time, that kind of stuff. Um, so I was just wondering if you had any, like, do you think in terms of like, did that have any effect on you growing up? It was like um, being like from a city like Springfield. You know what I mean? Did that play any part in your story or even like sort of like availability to get help or like just the culture of an inner city environment? Like, and how did that play in terms of play into your story, basically? Um, I mean, definitely. I think, you know, compared to other cities, even, even as a, a mentor and, um, you know, I had mentioned working in the mental health field, I can see just how other cities have more resources compared to Springfield. Like Boston has so many resources available. And, um, and so I definitely do think it, it played a role because it created an, an environment, um, or how do I say it? There can't be change, right? Like, like how you mentioned, you don't know what you don't know. And, and if you're growing up in a community who is lower class, right. Or isn't, I mean, it's not long meadow. It's, I mean, when you grow up in Springfield, you say long meadow, you already know it's like, Oh, rich town. Yeah. You know, like there are certain towns that have these labels attached to them. And I think, I think, you know, unfortunately being lower class, you don't have the same resources and, and the same, um, potential opportunities, or help as you would in people who have more financial stability. Um, there are resources available, but I think it's just a lot more challenging. In my opinion, I think it's a lot more challenging when you come from a more urban, um, lower middle class town or, uh, you know, um, Definitely. and it's no far to no fault of our own. I think, I think it, that has a lot to do with why it's so important for, for people to have these passions and desires to want to help because without people having this willingness to help, there's this gap that gets created. And um, I mean, I was just having a conversation today with someone over I, IEPs which are these um, educational evaluations that they do for kids who, um, who might have some challenges for, you know, there's different categories and um, it can be for behavioral, emotional, physical. And so, you know, they do this evaluation when kids are starting to be delayed in, in school. And based off of that evaluation, they can see if, um, if they can provide some extra support to help the child be successful. And like long story short, she was just telling me that, that unfortunately the school that her child was in didn't want to reinforce the recommendations that are legally bound is the IEP you have to follow. Um, Oh, really? Are like are required to follow it. And so, so what blew my mind was that, she didn't have the resources. She didn't know, right? She didn't know what she didn't know. And so in that situation, her her child's education is being affected and she doesn't have the resources to find someone who can steer her the right way. 
and the people who are willing and open to assist are $60 an hour. So how do you ask someone of lower middle class, low income, um, hey, I can help you, but in order to help you, you have to pay $60 an hour. You know, and, and it's the same with mental health. Like if, if therapy or whatever resources are, that are out there aren't covered on your insurance, you're not gonna pay for them. And there aren't really a lot of programs that are willing to do things for free. And for sure. so I do, I do feel strongly that um, people's environments, upbringing, social status affects them. Now, should it get in the way? No, you know, do people in lower to middle class might have to work a little harder? Um, not to say that people who are high income, everything is a breeze, but, um, but I do think that it, it has the potential to have a great effect and, um, and, and it is challenging because I don't, I can't really think of many resources that were available to me, you know, like, yeah. no, I don't, I don't really remember anything. And that was like, like, honestly, like part, and like, it's one of those things is like, they're like beyond that. It's like even if resources were available, like I can remember, like growing up in Springfield, it's not like people have the time too. It's just like, you know, and it's, and this is like a bigger issue. This is like one of those like widespread, like national, like historical issues. But um, just with like the way inner cities work, the way that poverty works in inner cities and like, um, and it's in a way designed, you know, to be that way. And, so you just have people that one the, the resources aren't there and then two even if they were there they would be in a socioeconomic position to not be able to afford them yeah. and then three because of there's the history of that and like it's generational um you might not even have the knowledge that it's there or that you need to do that or how important it is you know i saw an interview with uh jay-z recently and he was saying that like he was just like um, and it was a great interview. If you get a chance to watch it, it's like, it's, it blew me away. Like I'm a fan of Jay-Z in general, but it like, because he's recently got into like therapy and stuff like that. And he was just saying like, like seeing himself like back when he was like thinking about himself when he was like 17 and just like that he did not have the ability like intrinsically, like he just didn't have the finances or the, like the availability to go like think you know, like it was survival. It was like, he grew up, he was born into poverty, you know, with one parent. So it was like, I've got to survive. And like, when you're in an environment where you're like, mainly focused on your physical well being, though, it's not like you ever get to your mental health. Like, that's like one of those things. It's like, you got to eat, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. And so beyond that, I think it's like multifaceted, like the impact that like, low being in a lower, like, socioeconomic position like inhibits you because then you can't like again like i said you don't have access you don't have the affordability and you don't even have the knowledge you are stuck in that i not knowing what you don't know cycle a lot of ways which is why like and that's one of the reasons i like sort of asked it was because that's why something like this is so important what you're doing because this is free access and communication is free and like people just talking to other people and like maybe like like and trying to be in like an implementation culturally in that way like you know what i mean like oh we can like 
you know, like all of us might not be able to afford therapy. All of us might not be able to afford that, have the time to like take out an hour or two a week because we've got to work. You know what I mean? We've got to be working 80 hours a week or whatever just to put food on the table that there's an ability for growth and self-awareness and by just talking to other people and getting other perspectives. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think that's another reason why what you're doing is so awesome, honestly. For sure, because it just it creates access, you know, like there's not like we've been saying it, the availability, like the for to have people there at the right times when you need them. You know what I mean? Sometimes you're broke. Sometimes you don't have friends, you know, and that type of thing. And so it's like to provide in reality, like it's a service, you know, like to be to share your story. Like you're doing that for other people, you know, which is it's amazing. Yeah, I was just gonna say really quick, like I just I you know I mean, I grew up in in the projects for a little bit. And then when my mom um, got a, a duplex, right, in Chicopee, it was, you know, th- there was a time where we lived off food stamps and, and Section 8, I mean, until a couple years back. And, and, I mean, it's amazing that all these resources are available, right? But the fact that they're so limited breaks my heart. Because it makes me wonder, like, had those resources not been available, where would we be living? Yeah. Um, you know, or, and, and just the need for, for us to reach out to not just us, but just everyone in general to just, just reach out to everyone, regardless of their income level, regardless of their ethnicity. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be this whole trying to make money off of people you know or yeah. this whole idea of like trying to i don't know like not beat the system but like like some people have this mindset of like well screw them because they screwed me and then all they're doing is creating a bigger chain and a bigger um just spreading more hurt and more negativity to other people who could actually learn and grow from them um I don't know if any of that made any sense at all, but. Oh, no, for sure. I get it. Um, it's like, well, it's the idea that like sort of trying, like, I think it's kind of like imprinted upon everybody to be completely like self-sufficient. And then like once you're able to sort of like beat whatever you're facing, meaning like if, if say like you're born into poverty and then you were able to like work hard enough and get lucky enough to like get make it to the middle upper class or whatever like that's the goal then you're your success and that's where the story ends in terms of like the sort of like the narrative that's given to us mm-hmm. but it's also like and that's so i think a lot of us i know i for for me that was kind of like the idea do you know what i mean that like i'm just i've got to do for myself i've got to like if i'm like going to all my classes and getting to college, like I'll get a good job and like I'll be a success story and it's all me. But I think there's also like, and I've learned this as I've like grown up where it's just like one, there's strength in numbers. So it's like, I have these goals and I want to like, everybody wants to do better for themselves. So like as a team, we can do that. And also beyond that, in terms of like environment, like I think there's a lot of escapism thinking like, that, you know, I've got to get out of this situation or this environment or like when in reality, like you can, it can be also it's, and sometimes in my opinion, it's easier to be like, all right, I can do that. 
but that's not really what I want. Well, that's not what will make me happy. Like what's actually going to make me happy is like the inside work, like figuring myself out and like, and also helping my environment around me. Like if I don't like access in my city, like to mental health care or whatever it is, then like maybe help make the city better. And like, I can do that by getting other people behind me instead of just being like, Oh no, we're all out for ourselves. Like, look at me. Like I got out of Springfield. You know what I mean? That kind of thing rather than like, why are people trying to get out of Springfield? You know what I mean? Maybe we can make it Springfield a place that people want to come to. Exactly. You know what I mean? And stuff like that. So a lot of it's perspectives and that's what I've found too. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I totally agree. Just, being part of creating that solution and um, instead of always kind of brushing things under the rug and, and complaining about it, which I think is, is a big part of our culture is we tend to point fingers and complain. And, yeah. uh, and I mean, you know, there's, there's always that group. Like there are people who, who live off the system and, and, and aren't willing to put in their part. Like there's always going to be people, right. Um, who, cause I can just imagine, you know, someone listening to this now and being like, oh, but I work so hard for all this money. And then it goes to people who aren't willing to do their part and who aren't willing to, you know, and, and working in the mental health field, I've had conversations with people who just want checks, who just want social security checks every single week or every single month and have to do absolutely nothing about it. I don't agree with that. But as you mentioned, instead of complaining about it, we have to do something about it, right? So if that's such a huge issue that the resources that we have available to the people who need it aren't actually receiving it, then why aren't we doing something about um, the requirements or expectations of these resources going out to the people? Or we, you know, like to me, that, that's just a reflection of, well, something needs to change. So what needs to change in order to provide resources to people who actually need it and limit the amount of people who aren't motivated or, you know, fill in the blank to receive those funds, you know, like, I don't know, like just coming up with a solution instead of pointing fingers and. Yeah, for sure. And that's the thing too. It's just like, I've always felt like it's, all human systems are flawed too. You know what I mean? It's like, we're human. (laughs) So I'm, um, I'm like of the like idea that like you, you have to like account for the like lowest common denominator too. So it's just like a lot of those services are in place and like they might be being abused, but there's like also like you can't cut them. You know what I mean? Because like there are like that type of thing. Cause like, there's just like legitimate people that need them for whatever, yeah. historical you know like reasons and like whatever like nobody wants to be born into like poverty you know and it's like it's literally a system that's designed to keep people there so it's like when there are services and stuff it's just like they're like the people that actually need them because i just like i don't know it's a weird thing i don't know yeah and you know that's a great point it's not you know because then it becomes how do you define who actually needs it or not yeah that's that's hard to say you can't you can't look at someone and base off of their outside um circumstances oh yeah they need it or oh no they don't need it but i guess what i 
what I meant to say, which you had already mentioned, is um, creating. It's it's not so much whether someone needs needs it or not, because that really doesn't matter. But just creating an environment where we can uplift each other to get past that. So that's not a constant circle yeah. of generations and generations and generations. Yeah, like it's just the standard thing. Like we're just yeah. gonna. This is how it is. Yeah, I I agree completely. Yeah. Um, I just said that though, kids. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's just it's it's hard to explain, but um, yeah, it is because it's tough. Like it's well, it's like one of those. It's like when do you get to a point where you stop? Like that's the thing. It's like where you stop helping. It's a hard line to draw yeah. because there's there's always a reason, and that's like one of those things too. Is like where like in terms of self growth and just trying to understand the world and just growing up and getting old. Like where like. I can see that like in terms of even people I know where I'm just like, Oh, like you do this thing. That's like, you do this, like you do this behavior. Let's say that, like, let's say like there's people like somebody who's like that you're working with that is cheating the system. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're like, they just want the checks or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? Um, there's like things in place that like, everybody's just a culmination of their experiences. Yeah. So it's just like, it's not like they were just that type of person. And you know what I mean? It's like they were that somehow. Like there was like, and the whoever they learned that, and even if it's not like, oh, like teaching somebody directly, you know what I mean? Like to be like, oh, like we're going to take from the government. Like even if it's just like at a very early age, you're just taught like you look out for you above everybody else and don't like, and it doesn't matter the means like, you know what I mean? Or whatever. And that, again could be generational like learning mm-hmm. and it most of people's like the time like when you look at somebody and you're just like oh that's not good you know you're like more or like character faults let's call them most people's character faults start out as like uh defense me- coping defense or coping mechanisms you know what i mean like you start like a bad behavior because at some point it either protected you emotionally mentally or physically Yes. So, and that can be generational. Mm-hmm. Like there's things that can be passed down because at one point in time, that's how you had to survive. Yeah. Whether it be like as a, like physically survive or just get through your life without like hurting yourself mentally and emotionally, you know what I mean? So like, that's like, I can usually always rationalize it down to that where I'm just like, there's a reason, like there's a reason for this. And ultimately like you're not to be blamed if you were never given the necessary like and this is comes back to really like back to what we're talking about if you were never like provided the opportunity or time for self-actualization like somebody doesn't know why they're doing if somebody doesn't know why they're doing the things they're doing like how can you blame them yeah that would be like putting a dog in like a, a car and being like turning the car on and putting it in drive and then just being like, that dog's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> he crashes, you know what I mean? But yeah. just like, no, the dog knows how to do dog stuff. You know what I mean? Just like me as a person, like I really only know how to approach the world based on my experiences. And a lot of most people's experiences are familial. You know what I mean? You're passed down. Like the way you act is just a culmination of all the generations before you you know, even in personality type, even in morals, and then the impact on whatever your surroundings are. So if like, again, like if you're in, you know, a situation where you never leave your neighborhood, like you're going to have a very 
small access to different perspectives and different ways of thinking. And you're going to be very, so like by the time you're 30, like there's almost no like fault of your own. There's no help because like all you had was what you were given. Yeah. yeah. And like, and you know, it, it's people aren't just like, and that's why like we're at our points in time with like rock bottoms and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just like, we were blessed with opportunities to have to look at ourselves. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like, even us, like we're kind of lucky in a way that like we've done this work that wasn't ever like nobody ever came to me and was just like, Oh, you need to like figure your soul out. You know what I mean? Like at an early age, like you gotta be like when you're 30, like you're going to want inner peace and happiness that like money can't buy. Like, let me show you the way, you know what I'm saying? And like, so I don't know that kind of thing. Well said. So we're also another similarity. We're both children of divorce. And you talked a lot about that in your story. Um, I was just wondering what, um, more than even what you talked about, like what, how you were able to define love, because I've talked about that with people, like in terms of like, even like in dating, it's just like, I don't have that example. Like my parents, they were never together. Like they divorced when I was too young to like have memories. So it's just like, I've never like, had that example that everyone else has of like, Oh, that's a man and a woman. And that's what love looks like. You know what I mean? And that kind of thing. And I've had to find it on my own through whatever ways, but how do you think that's affected you either like for the positive or for the negative or like, and how have you gone about sort of defining love in your life? So what's interesting is so because of my experience, right. Um, with my upbringing, I never had a positive outlook on love yeah so whereas I've had friends who have always had a positive outlook and then it's that definition of what love is has been broken and it's been more not not that it's more or less hurtful to them but they've responded to me how they like it was like tragic it's like oh I always thought love was going to be this whole amazing thing and then it and then it turned out that it wasn't but for me it was the opposite I always felt like nope like, this is what I experienced. No, nope. you, you're not going to look at me and tell me love is all fairy tales and unicorns <laughs> and pretty pumpkins. Like, no, that's... And so what was challenging for me was realizing that that wasn't... A tr- that, that viewpoint wasn't true. And um, every relationship that I had was affected by that. Uh, both friendships, letting people in, boyfriends, like... And so how did I learn? It, it was just constant moments in my life, like, like my brother's constant love. Then I didn't know that that's what unconditional love was. I, I, I couldn't realize that that was unconditional love until I had the knowledge and understanding of learning what, it, what unconditional love was. So my brother's unconditional love, my mom and dad's unconditional love, but that, that's such a tough question. It was just honestly trial and error. Like I didn't, because this year, like even this year, just a couple months ago, I finished reading the book Love Does by Bob Goff. And mm-hmm. that book was life-changing for me because it showed me how love can be radical and unconditional and it's okay. And it was kind of just searching, just, just, just really spending a lot of time searching, like, what the heck is love? Like, what does that even mean? You know, and, and 
hearing people talk about the topic because I love listening to speakers and I read books on love. Like I have so many books in my bookshelf because I knew that was an area that I needed to work on. Cause yeah. hearing, Oh, love's this amazing. And I'm like, bullshit. Like what? And so I had to aggressively look for examples of, of people living life with that example of love. Of, of people who are actually walk, not only talking the talk, but walking the walk and, um, and living this life in loving relationships and sitting down and having conversations with them and realizing that love is multifaceted. And in my opinion, people are the ones who complicate it. And, yeah. and just kind of just having the search of, of what is love? What does that even mean? Um, yeah. It means to unconditionally love someone. And, and, challenging myself to ask those tough questions and then find answers for them. Um, so, and, and a lot too with my relationship with God and understanding, um, cause there, there's a lot of passages in the Bible too, that touch on what love is. And uh, like in, you know, Corinthians, it talks about love is patient, love is kind. And, and not only being like, okay, like that's what they say it means, but really taking time to think like, okay, but what does that mean? What does it actually mean to be patient and to be kind if that's love? What does it mean yeah. to apply all of these things that people keep telling me about? And, um, and then that gave me an understanding of what love was. And then that made me realize that we love, right? But I don't think people have, I might be totally wrong, but... I don't think people have the capacity to truly unconditionally love another person until they understand what love is, like have a true understanding of what love is, learn to love themselves regardless of any circumstance or flaw or imperfection. And then when you've got that down, then I think you then have a clear understanding of what it means to love someone else. Yeah. But it, it, it was just a trial and error for me. I don't know if that yeah. answers your question. Like, <laughs> no, it was. Because I was going to like, and you got to it, just like, like I think for me, a lot of it was self-love. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. was learning to, like, to start there. You know what I mean? To being like, and to seeing that and like hearing enough, like, especially through like, you know, like people like you and me. It's like, it's just like how you said, like you've got books on the issue, you know, on the matter. Mm-hmm. So it's like, having been around enough, like of sort of self-care, like, that type of like environment and um and seeing that and like and then understanding that like when i don't love myself i'm not who i want to be yeah and so like and like and i'm going through periods where i know i genuinely love myself yeah and then seeing like the people i attract and the people i'm attracted to and like the and like not just in a romantic way but just like who was in my life you know, when I was happiest and healthiest and I loved myself, like who was around? Who did I like gravitate towards? Who did like I talk to all the time and that kind of thing. And also, like you said, just like having seen people like have unconditional love, like towards me or like feeling it towards people and like understanding that and then like learning all the different facets. Cause I think, I think with all of us, it's like an evolution. I think like for like, like you said, it's like, there's a perspective, like it's whether it, love is a little different to everybody yeah. and the way it's expressed is a little different to everyone, but that's what it is. And I was thinking of this, like my, I was thinking, I don't remember what I was thinking about, but the other day I was, and I came up with like a pretty good, like, I think this is a good definition of healthy love. Uh-huh. And it's like, 
and it's can I can it can fit into like it, I guess more like a romantic situation, but like regular love is when like you make that person smile and it lights you up inside, mm-hmm. and like healthy love is when anything makes that person smile and you light up inside. And that's what I was like thinking about. And that's just like, in terms of people, like, it's like, that's what I, when I know like it's like healthy and it's at its best is when like, I know, like, I know when I love somebody, when I see them like happy and it like just naturally, like, it's like, oh, that's the best. You know what I mean? Like, that's like that type of thing. Definitely. And it just like, once it like evolves into being like, cause like I've learned in like recent years, like I can love somebody by walking away. You know, like sometimes that's the right way to love somebody. And I would have never even thought of that 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. I would have been like, oh, no, true love is you stick by them. You know what I mean? You're loyal, like under any circumstance. And like that's unconditional love. But like there have been times in my life when I knew like, oh, the best thing for this person and for myself, because I also love myself, is to like distance myself because I've done everything I've known to either like whether they're struggling to help them. Mm-hmm. or I've done, if it was a romantic relationship, like everything I could do in my power to make this work. Mm-hmm. And like, they don't either have the ability to, or we just want completely different things. And even though I still love them, the right thing to do for our ultimate happiness is to like separate or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And like, that's like only recent was I able to get there. So like, that's like why, like one of those things is like, I was just curious. Cause it's just like, I've known that my conceptions of love and like what that means mm-hmm. in like a universal sense have like constantly been evolving, you know? So I think it's interesting. Yeah. And you, and you touch base on, on when you were comparing love, like when you do something and it makes that person happy versus healthy love, anything that happens that makes them happy. And, and I think the biggest key difference between the two that I've learned is when you're doing something to make that person happy, you feel happy, but that you know, like there becomes an addiction of that feel good. Yeah. Um, and that's when love can get unbalanced and unhealthy when you're doing something like Joyce Meyer, the speaker I was telling you about, um, she, she's a teacher and she says it so well. Like she had mentioned something about, the moment you start becoming disappointed or upset over someone's reaction or response is the biggest sign that you are doing something with the intent of receiving something in return. Because we only usually get disappointed when something doesn't go our way, which means we're thinking about ourselves. So if I like that. Ah. Right? Like if, if you yeah. tell someone you love them or, or not just that, like any kind of interactions that we have with people – the moment you get disappointed is that is that reminder that your intention is because you are trying to get something out of it. Yeah. And love is is huge in that respect. Like I remember times that I would get, you know, just frustrated because I, I I wouldn't get the response that I wanted in return. So then it's like, okay, was I doing that because I expected a response? Or was I doing that because I genuinely cared about the person? And so that was kind of like an eye awakening moment for me because it was like, wow, like I was actually doing things because I wanted to feel good, which just goes to show why it's so important to love yourself because then regardless of other person's reactions, you don't take it personally. You don't, I mean, you know, it still affects you, but it doesn't affect you to the same extent when you depend on that other person's responses to make you feel good or make you feel loved or appreciated. Yeah. 
which actually reminded me of the question that we got cut off on when you oh. had, when you had asked me if I had slipped back, like if I have moments of oh yeah yeah, yeah. where you feel like your old ways a feeling low, yeah. and so talking about love, um, the biggest difference is now in my lows. I still have them. I still get into funks. I am more aware of when they happen. Like I'm more aware of my triggers and my cues. So I'm a lot quicker to in the moment, just stop it dead in its track and not even let it get into a thing. Yeah. But learning how to love myself. Like I had been talking about how there's days where I'll just stay in bed all day. And the biggest difference between then and now is then I used to beat myself up. I used to think I wasn't good enough that I was worthless because I just was wasting a day in bed and I was in a funk and I could be doing so many different things. And I was just spewing all these, all these words of hate. And because I've learned to love myself, all of me, even my ridiculous parts of my personality where I'm like, I don't know how people can handle me. Um, the difference now is like, I'm like, you know what? Like, I just, I need this. And, and it's not because anything is wrong with me. You know, there's all these theories on where depression stems. If it's, um, if it's something you're born with, if it's a chemical imbalance, whatever. The reason doesn't matter, right? I don't know. But um, I just know that it's a part of who I am. And, it's, and, and I embrace the fact that I have lows. And I, I'm just like, it's okay. Today today is just a low day. And so that means for me, I know that means I'm just going to watch TV. I'm not going to beat myself up over it because I know that that's just who I am and I need that. But I also don't allow myself to like stay in that, right? I just, I ride it, I watch TV. And then I know that I need to go to the gym because for me, working out is a big key of keeping myself in a good headspace. I know yeah. that means like I have to get back on track on yoga. I have to get back on track on having a schedule because without a schedule, I get, I get a lot of anxiety and I get a lot into a funk because I feel like I'm not accomplishing enough. And, but that I wouldn't be able to do those things if I didn't learn to love myself through all of that, all, my anxious self, my, my feelings of depression self, my feelings of unworthiness self. And um, that has been life changing for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I meant to actually get this to this question sooner. This is like, I think one of the ones that I was thinking about, yeah. but um, so in terms of, cause I know that originally, especially like when we first started talking, a lot of this um, project was like focused on like art, you know, like on art, like on how you used art to heal. So I was just wondering like in terms of you as an artist, how did that play into your story of healing and, and all those types of things? And what part, what role does art play in your life today? So I, um, I, I'm one of the types of artists where when I'm in a funk, I, I don't get inspired to draw anymore. I lose that motivation and that hunger to just put pencil on paper and just draw all these things. And so for me, you know, there's some friends that I have who, um, who are super talented and when they're in funks or they're sad or down or feelings of depression, anxiety, you name it, they just draw and they draw or play music or do all these amazing things. And I just never had that. So for my project, I had actually drawn this illustration, um, which has this woman. I don't think I ever showed it to you. I don't know. It has this woman laying down. 
and there's this guy that has she's in chains all chained down to the ground and then there's this guy i, I think it's like a kind of like a demon or something with horns i have to look at it it's been a while <laughs> and he's like sucking her soul out a lyric so i get it <laughs> <laughs> um and he's sucking her soul out and that was the first time that i was able to draw a feeling that i had when i just mm, felt yeah. like all life was doing was just sucking me dry um and then after that i was able to draw a lot more uh drawings that had to do with those kinds of feelings just of of um you know the emotion that i was going through but yeah. um, so for, more of a cathartic way kind of yeah 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 exactly yeah. and um so for me a part of my challenge with art was that it, it meant something so special to me that I didn't want my feelings of sadness to ruin it. And that just had a lot to do with like still not getting to the point where I was embracing all sides of me. And, um, but now, now it's different. Like now I've, so what I've realized is like, I draw, I love taking photos. I love doing a lot of different creative things. So when I'm not as motivated to draw, I just do something else creative that I want to do in the moment. Like I love to write. And, and so before I used to just beat myself up cause I was like, drawing is supposed to help. Like I love drawing and I can't draw right now. And what the heck is the deal? And it would just make it worse. And now for me, I've just been like, Hey, like when I'm down, I just really don't want to draw. So it's okay but I can do other things that I really enjoy to do. Um, that's artistic, you know, like I'll strum the guitar a bit cause I'm trying to learn how to play the guitar or I'll, I'll write or I'll take photo. I'll just go out and walk around and take photos or I'll just sit and I'll just scribble on a piece of paper and draw something out. But, um, I've no longer let one type of art define me like yeah that's good you know like i've learned that i can take different artistic avenues and it's it's okay but yeah this whole project was was that like just i i want because people are so creative you know <laughs> yeah for sure cope with difficulties in so many different ways and yeah just being able to share that too like i've listened to phenomenal rappers that i've come across on facebook who are, you know, just, you know, kids on the street who rap about life. And I'm like, wow, you know, and then I see these people make these beautiful masterpieces of, of struggles. And, um, you know, you hear stories on famous artists on struggles they've been through. And so that's, yeah, I, I, I want to be able to share more of that, but I personally don't have any a lot of like art that i've made because i always i'm the type where i shut down yeah i've seen it's good though yeah thank like you. on your like your art page on your like website that's dope so yeah keep doing it <laughs> yeah i have to do it more i have to do it more that was something that i did learn is or am learning is is learning how to still do what i love even when i'm not feeling a hundred percent yeah you know? yeah like i can still make it and it's yes. hard to phone in your passions though i agree yeah. it really is it's like it's like the whole reason i do this is because it like makes me feel alive and i don't feel alive right now yeah exactly that's how i felt and i was no, like i know I, I get you i feel that for sure yeah no that's awesome though um and it's cool because like i don't know like i think it's a good 
avenue to go about because artists by nature are kind of weird and damaged. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so it's like, it provides a good template for you. And then you have a lot of good, like interesting, like stuff, like projects to talk about and get involved with too. So uh, yeah, it's cool. And yeah, that's part of the reason, like why I wanted to get into music therapy was for that reason, you know, like it was because like art was always one of the ways I dealt, even if like how you said, like when I can't make it, I still consume it, you know, like I'm in my clothes, like I get into like really sad music and just listen to music, you know, like, and stuff like that. So, and that's the thing is like, I, I've also like seen that as sort of like a cycle, like, which is, is cool because like, it's how you're saying it's like, you don't feel like making art when you're in your lows, you know what I mean? And I don't really, when I'm in my real lows, I don't feel like doing anything. You know, but then I start listening or consuming art by people that felt that way. So that like now, like, and now I see that like, like, so then when I got out of like my funk or whatever, when I'm not, and when I'm actually making my art, it still tends to be about that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause it's what I'm familiar with. So it's like, you know, maybe like when I make my music, it's not when I, for me, when I'm feeling low, whereas like I used to want it to be, like you said, I wanted to be like it to be just a catharsis where it's like, Oh, I feel like, like crap. Let me like write a song about it and I'll feel better. Yeah. But really it's like, I feel like crap. Let me process this, get better and then write a song about it so that somebody else can understand that. Like, Oh, I felt that too. You know, like that kind of thing. So it's cool. I think it's awesome. The whole project. Like I think the, the, the fact that it's based upon and around art is like, it's a cool Avenue to go down because it's like I said, it's just so connected to mental health and trauma and like the be- a lot of the best art comes out of pain. Like it comes out of love too, but like, you know what I mean? A lot of it comes out of pain. And and then times there's times like how we've been saying, like sometimes you need to understand love to understand pain. Yeah. Once you, you know what I mean? Like, or you have to feel pain to really get it. Like be like, Oh, like that's yeah. <laughs> like you have to understand both sides of the spectrum. Otherwise you don't know where you fall. Yeah, definitely. But um, so that's probably close to it. Well said. I feel like you always say things, and I'm like, oh, that was so good. <laughs> like, what? No, yeah, but like, exactly what I was thinking, and I like, you know, <laughs> couldn't say. But. Yeah. Um, I'll ask a couple more things. I get. So in terms of like, because I've we've talked about this a little bit. Like a lot of it's based on like the feelings, you know, like and you felt a certain way, and were driven towards self-harm and i was self-harm in a different way but was driven towards addiction and escapism and that kind of thing but other both forms of escape you know um so and we've we've kind of talked about last time on my interview where like substitute addictions so um do you ever find yourself falling into that habit where um or like trying to break that because i know i do that is like now that i've kind of sort of been through things and like come out on the other side like i still hit lows but there's certain times where especially like in a low i'll use things to cope you know what i mean whether it be just eating a ton for like a week or like you know what i mean like getting like not taking care of myself and like watching like bad tv or whatever it is you know so um i was just wondering like if you find yourself ever in those situations and like um what you do about it. <laughs> yeah, I, 
definitely, definitely have found myself in those situations just where, like you're saying, I start, um, I've been meal prepping now to kind of help me with my week. So the moment that I see myself falling off of that and just consuming all this junk food and processed food that just makes me feel like, like gross. I just stop caring for myself. Like I'll stop going to the gym. Um, I'll fall into bad habits or, um, or even like I'll go out, um, on a night and drink. And like, I have, I don't drink often and and I choose not to drink on purpose, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, there's nights where I'll, I'll have a drink and then it's just like, I, I just see myself falling back into, into that. Um, and so like, this is an easy way to feel good. Yeah. Yeah. Just to, and, and there's times where I even catch myself in my thoughts where I'm like, working on yourself is work. It's effort. Like for me to make a choice to be positive every day and have these interactions isn't something like, you know, it does come naturally for some more than others for sure, but it's still work that like, I have to make a conscious decision every single day to be the best that I can be of myself. And there's days where I'm like, I don't want to do that anymore. And, you know, I I hate to say that, like, not that I would ever screw someone over or do some wrong, but it's just like, there's days where I'm like, but you know, why am I like, I do all this and for what, like, you know, there's people who treat me like this or, you know, I want this and it hasn't happened. And, you know, there's these moments of frustration and, and, uh, and then, so you'd like, I'll go want to go out and go drink and party and, you know, uh, have a good time. And now when those moments do happen, they don't happen as long as in the past. So I've, I've noticed that I'm growing in that area and now like I'll go out and we'll be one night and then I kind of just reset and I kind of knock some sense into myself and be like, okay, like get it, like just get get it off. Like stop having this pity party. You've got this kind of thing. Um, but when I am feeling in, in those moments, I've, I've found that I like, so for drinking, I already know if I'm not in a good headspace, I can't go drink because I've learned through stubbornness already that if I'm not in a good headspace, I already know what my outcome is going to be and it's not going to be a good one. So yeah. I, I try to really be aggressive about not putting myself in that situation and just saying no. And like, whether that means not hanging out with friends or whatever it may be. If I see myself going through those cycles of thoughts, I will um, listen to music, right? Just to block off my thoughts or, um, or listen to a motivational speaker just to kind of reset me and to get me back on track. Because we're all going to go through those moments of frustration of, of we've had enough of feeling exhausted, feeling like, like it's just, it's just hard. Yeah. I think because I'm sorry to interrupt you. No. Uh, <laughs> um, I just wanted to like add, cause I think this will like, it'll like help you. Like I will put a, like a perspective on it. It's like, I find sometimes like in those moments where it's just like, it's because it's like, I'm seven years in, you know what I mean? But there's still days there'll be moments or like an hour or days where sometimes I feel as bad as I did that. Yeah. You know, even if it's brief. So it's like one of those things is like, that's when it's like, for me, it's just like, oh, like I can still feel that bad even after all this time and all this work. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, and like you said, like the time goes down, you know what I mean? Like the amount of time it lasts and all that kind of thing. 
but that's where it is with me. It's like, I thought that stuff would go away. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. it's, no. And, and it's one of those things where it's always going to be there. Right. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't always, or it's not that it's always there. Cause it's not, but it's like, it, it's like one of those things that it's, that's, it's in the back burner. And if you mm-hmm. allow it to come forth, it can, it can catch flames and start a fire. But what's important is always, ha- like you mentioned during your interview, always having those moments of maintenance and check-ins. Because if you don't catch yourself and you allow enough momentum to start rolling forward, what you had taken care of um, becomes a problem again. And you go down that slippery slope. And um, I hate to say it's always there because it almost sounds like you can't defeat it or control it and it's not that you can't it's just it's just one of those things okay okay i got an example (laughs) it's like weeds in a garden right you have your beautiful garden and you are always going to have weeds that pop out that's just part of life but if you're not constantly weeding out your garden it'll overgrow and take over and it'll kill all the flowers that are in there so It's not saying that that's how I meant it. No, you know, I know what you, mean. No, you go. <laughs> you know exactly what you mean. It's like when it's kind of like how, like they talk about, like they compare alcoholism in it, like in programs a lot to diabetes, because that's like it's a it's a good analogy in terms of like oh you just have this now like this is your like this it's a disease and it's like something and I think like a lot of that like because alcoholism is a disease but I think part of the reason it's defined as a disease because it's lifelong and it like, you know, and that like, that's why it's like defined that way and it needs to be treated as such. And it's like, it's the same idea. It's like, yeah, you can like, I, I'm an alcoholic right now. Like I have alcoholism and like you say, like that's always there, but like, as long as I'm treating it, none of the symptoms show up. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like, but I have to always be treating it. And it's like, just because I've got alcoholism in me doesn't mean like I'm a miserable person or I'm always looking to like drink or whatever. And that's not like what that means. It just means that like I have a disease and its symptoms hurt me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, or cause me to put, do damage to myself or will just like grow. And like, like you said, like the weeds in the garden, they'll just grow over time until like yeah. I'm full blown, you know, like, and I'm not a full blown alcoholic right now. I'm a, like a sober alcoholic who's in recovery but I'm still an alcoholic and the same thing. It's just like, it's not like, it's one of those things like where the awareness of something doesn't mean like that it exists all of a sudden. Yes. So it's just like, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like to be like, Oh, that's when I like was depressed or like you hit your very low moments, you know what I mean? Or whatever. And then it's just like, it's not like you can ever get to a place where that's gone because it was always there. Yeah. So, but you can get better, more better than you ever imagined you could because it was always there and you didn't know that like treating it would bring you serenity and happiness, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. And you know, now that you're saying like with treat, treating it, that just makes me think that every emotion that we have can almost be seen as like something that we need to treat or maintain. It's like, wait, you know, like, like if, yeah. If, okay, if you eat too much, you gain weight. If you don't eat enough, you lose weight. And so, so one extreme or the other isn't good. And mm-hmm. that's the same with emotions, whether it's anger, anxiety, feelings of depression, 
um, feelings of unworthiness, sadness, whatever emotion, there's so many emotions out there. One extreme or the other isn't good, but we have to constantly treat those emotions and maintain all of those emotions. And that's the end of my thought. <laughs> I don't like, I don't know how else to explain it, but like, I feel no, like it's exactly right. It's all, cause it's all about balance. Like that's what life is. It's just balance. And that's what like, like we talked about it, like happiness versus serenity yeah. and just serenity is just peace. Mm-hmm. And like, that just means that you're balanced. It means that you're not manically euphorically happy or angry or like way up on that end. And it also means that you're not devoid of happiness and all those things. It just means that you're like perfectly in vibe with everything in your universe, you know, in a way, like you're just at peace, like everything's stable and like, for things to be stable, there's got to be the ability for them to not be, to be like too much or too little. You know what I mean? I also think too, what's so important, we talk about community, that awareness of when we're teetering towards one direction or another, whether it's teetering or full force falling into one extreme or the other, having that community of people who are going to be able to check you back and help say, hey, you know what, dude, like I know that you're feeling anxious right now but it's okay. Like you're going to, you know, whatever that is, whatever those words of encouragement are to help reset you because we can't do it alone. And sometimes there's moments where I, I fall back and I get into these thought patterns and I aggressively surround myself by women and friends and family who I know during those moments are going to like snap me right out of it and be like, Hey, no, like stop, you know, like, and I'm like, Oh, okay. But that's huge too, because, you know, we're having these conversations and maybe people might think, oh yeah, but that's so easy to say, like reset, reset, like you're feeling this way and you're falling back and how am I supposed to do that? But I can't do it alone. I I have, I have solid people who I trust, who I quick phone call as, you know, and, and they know me well enough to be like, Hey, like, I know what you're going through. They might not necessarily know what I've been through. Like, in life in general, but are quick to put those words of encouragement in me and kind of lift me up to get me back on track and remind me. Um, and yeah, so I just wanted to point that out too. <laughs> no, for sure. And I think a lot of it has to do with like, for me is like, is like patience and waiting because there's just like, so it's like through like my experience, it's like, now I know this, but, and like how you're saying, like, especially in the beginning, it was, it almost, it, a lot of it was having the people there and like, but like more so to be like, Oh, I know what's happening. Just so you know, like I know what you're going through. Yeah. Meaning like now I know when I go into a low, like I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like coming out of it. I know the things I can do just through experience, just through like yeah. the last six years of self growth. But like it in the beginning, like it took guys to be like, Oh, I know you're feeling like this. Like, just wait. Like, it'll go away. This will pass. And like a lot of that, you know what I mean? Like this too will pass. And like, especially in the beginning, like that was important to like hear that from people to be like, Oh no, like I went through that. Like, you know, like I've had, I've had low days, I've had low weeks. And then all of it, like one of those days, like, but I kept doing the right things. You know what I mean? I just kept doing it even when I didn't want to. And then all of a sudden, like one day I woke up, I felt better. Or like when I went to a certain meeting or I like hung out with a friend for two hours, like three days into a low. And then all of a sudden I left and I felt better. But like a lot of times it's just like, 
you need to hear that. You're just like, oh, you'll get through this. Like I got through it. I know exactly what, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. And what you said, even when you don't want to. Yeah, for sure. That's the last thing you want to do, but you still have to do it for yourself. And, um, and so I think that's so important to remember. Yeah. They say that about like meetings. They say that in AA and like NA and stuff like that in 12 step programs. They're just like that when you don't want to go to the a meeting is when you need the meeting the most. Like when you don't feel like it is when you, it's like ironic. Cause like when you're like all like, yeah, I want to go to this meeting, like <laughs> clearly like in a good space. So like, if you're ever just like, ah, I don't feel like it today, like that's when you need it. It's like, so it's like that kind of idea, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I have two more questions. Okay. Okay. First question. Um, where is the Healing Broken Hearts project going from here? So, <laughs> I'm glad that you asked. <laughs> yeah. So, my dream. Fire questions. <laughs> okay, so my dream is to have Healing Broken Hearts project be a multifaceted project. So, it's not only podcasts, right? It's it's hosting events that create environments of community and connection and love that are that are based off of certain themes. So um so each event would have a theme. Like let's say it's the theme of love or community or laughter or you know, whatever the theme is and having somehow these events, if it's laughter that's you know, maybe comedians come and we have speakers come and we have yeah, that's all, a good idea. Like and resources and just and just I want to create events where people get connection have create some form of community with people like and feel like they belong and that they have these aha moments that regardless of of what they take from that event that there was something in there that's memorable that they're going to take with them forever that's going to change their life but that it also lifts people up and inspires people to to also be a part of creating this movement and and being leaders of change because if you and I just do it we can only affect so many people, but if we were to do it and we were to inspire two people to do it, who then lead this movement to inspire four people to do it, then we're, you know, it's expanding. Yeah. That. And, you know, it'd be cool to have shows like music shows or art shows that are all based on this same concept on, on the idea behind we need to work as a community to bring change. And there's yeah. so many different areas that need change and one person can't do it all. But we each have this desire and inspiration for different things. You know, some people have the desire for homeless, for animals, for sex trafficking industry, for the music industry, for the movie industry. And so I just want to inspire all these different people to then go out and keep it going, you know? Um, so yeah, I'd like to do that. I'd, I'd like to have panels of speakers kind of like a TED talk how we talked about yeah um, I want to be able to sell merchandise with the theme the different themes of the events for people to buy but for it to go towards a good cause yeah and um, you get to like that's the thing is you're working with artists so it's like it's not like you wouldn't be able to get designs and stuff and like yeah. you do a whole series where it's just like oh this is like this person you know what I mean like there's like three designs by them you know this is their series you know, and like all of like, that, like they're like a visual artist, but like they struggled with, let's say, suicide. 
So like all the proceeds from their series goes to suicide prevention or things like that. Yeah. That'd be cool. So my goal is to be a microphone, a microphone for other people's voices and, and a microphone in the sense of making people realize that you are not the only person and that you can actually do something about it individually. We can all actually do something about it. And so that's where I see it now. I, I, I want it to grow in different ways. Um, but I, I just have a passion for everything. Like everyone's always like, it's realistic to stick to one thing, just stick to one thing, just stick to one thing. But I, I just don't want to stick to one thing. Yeah. And, just who, and maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, I want to be a part of changing everything. And I just passionately love everything. And yeah, so it's, I want it to always change. I want the theme to always change, whether it's environment one month or turtles or I don't care. Everything yeah. we know. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm down for turtle month. <laughs> All right. Last question. All right, last one. So it's the same as you asked me. It was my same. Oh. same <laughs> so if to wrap it all up, um, you could say just so like a brief little thing. If there was like, if you only had 30 seconds a minute mm-hmm. and uh, you wanted to say something to somebody out there that was either struggling or who had gotten through a tough time, but is might be backsliding or fe- afraid of it or whatever it is. Now's your time. What would you say to that person? I would say, remember that you are an amazing, badass human being and that it doesn't matter what you've gone through, what people have said to you, what lies have been fed to you, what your circumstances are financially, uh, where you grew up, it de- the abuse you've gone through, it doesn't matter the ifs, ands, or buts, um, just to remember and realize how amazing each and every single person out there is, how we all have a purpose, and how there are other people out there in this world who, who are genuine and, and willing just to be there. You know, like, just, just not to give up on humanity. And, um, and you can get through this, and you will get through this. And you're amazing and deserve the world. I tell that to everyone. Like, don't, I don't care if you've made poor decisions in your life. You deserve, we all deserve happiness. Yeah. Um, so that's what I was saying. Then I dropped the mic. No. <laughs> Interview over. Um, it's so that's funny it. you asked me that question, though, because I had, I had a lunch date today with one of my friends who I'm interviewing uh, in a couple yeah. weeks. And she, I was like, do you want me to prep you with any questions or anything? She's like, yeah, you can give me an idea. And I'm like, well, my last question is going to be now, if no one were to listen to anything, but the last 30 seconds, what would you want them to take away from you? So I feel like I have to keep this going now. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's it. Definitely. For sure. That's what I want. People to know that they're worthy, that they're beautiful and talented and, and badass and can do anything that they put their mind to. I'm a firm believer of that. Nice. But yeah. You're That's awesome. awesome. Thank you. You're awesome. Thank you for doing this and asking me to do interview you. This was the coolest part. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to interview me. I don't even know how long. What time is it? Five? Well, thank cool. you so much. Of course. Like I said, it's my pleasure to do it. <laughs> <laughs>